Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. I'm joined in the studio today by my lovely wife, Debbie. You know, it's nice being in Texarkana, Texas with a name like Shreve because we're very close to Shreveport, Louisiana. And when I talk to people on the phone, oftentimes you tell them your name is Jeff Shreve. Uh, They say Shreve or or Shree or Street or they can't get it. So I say Shreve like Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, S-C-H. And then they're, oh, Shreve. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend of ours, Dean Barry, calls me Captain Shreve. That's a high school there in in Louisiana in in Shreveport. So today we want to talk about the power of a changed life. I often think of the passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus cast out the legion of demons that were in that man from Gadare, and that man, uh, he was totally changed from the inside out, and uh, he so wanted to go with Jesus. He said, please let me go with you, and the Scripture says in Mark chapter 5, and Jesus did not let him, but he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, the 10 cities there by the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, what great things Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Debbie, we added to our staff uh, a wonderful couple just uh, about six, eight months ago, uh, Alex and Rachel Inman. They came from Memphis, Tennessee, and Alex and Rachel, they sing and and uh, have a, a real heart for ministry and a heart for uh, students and God's people. And Rachel was a school teacher and taught middle school. And Rachel uh, shared her testimony, I guess about three months ago with our students and uh, with our Celebrate Recovery group. And Man, I I heard her testimony and said, good night. This is so good. This is so powerful. And so I've invited Rachel to come on the broadcast today and share her story. So Rachel, welcome to Real Truth for today. Thank you so much. So Rachel, you have a uh, a powerful testimony how God has changed your life. And, And so tell us about how you grew up and what was going on in your heart and life as a young girl. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, went to church, definitely knew right from wrong. Um, I was homeschooled, and truly, like, my mom had me memorize books of the Bible. I still remember a lot of it today. Um, but as a little, as a, a small child, I I just remember wanting to never get in trouble. And I remember going to church and hearing about hell, and that scared me. So I knew I wanted to go to heaven. But there was never that realization that I deserve a place like hell and I need a savior. And um, so as I grew up, my, my worldview was more of just don't get in trouble, be the good kid. And that kind of became my identity. And so as I became a teenager with that came a lot of, you know, temptation to compromise because you just, you just want to fit in. I wanted so badly to have somewhere that I fit in and that I belonged and I wanted to feel like someone valued me. And it started off with little compromises here and there, um, just to, just to have a group of friends to call, to call family. Um, but as I 
got into college, I realized that, you know, if I wanted to fit in, I was going to have to make some massive compromises to what I knew was against, you know, what I should be doing. But again, to me, I was doing good just so that I pleased my parents or I pleased authority. It was it was not because I truly wanted to honor the Lord because there was no um, no fruitful relationship there. It, was, it wasn't personal. It was just all kind of in your head. Yes. And, and you believed, but it was all just yes. kind of mental ascent. Mm-hmm. Knew a lot of head knowledge, but there was there was nothing in my heart. I think that can be so common with kids that grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. They can know all the right answers mm-hmm. because it's just been um, infiltrated into their minds and hearts from such a young, young age. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily equate to having a changed heart just yeah. because you you know the right answers. I think that's why youth ministry is so important to me because I see it happen to so many families, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so homeschooled all through high school? Went to high school, seventh grade, and graduated at a small private uh, school. Um, and it was it was very, very legalistic, very much, you know, you make sure you do the right thing. And, um, um, you know, a lot of <laughs> great biblical doctrine was taught to me. But again, I did not connect that personal relationship. I, I honestly learned to kind of resent things of Christ because I felt like if I messed up, I was never going to be, you know, forgiven of that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That was kind of going to be what was rem- people remembered about me. So fear motivated a lot yes, of decisions. A f- fear of failure, a fear of disappointing. And I mean, truly, I still struggle with some of that today as well. So how did you view God in those early years? Was he kind of just bad cop? God was someone who loved me if I did good. And if I messed up, I kind of felt like he was keeping a ledger because that's what everyone around me, I felt like did. And again, that probably wasn't the case. But as a, as a, as a high schooler, that's how I felt. And so if I messed up enough times, my thought was God was going to be done with me. Mm-hmm. So you and felt disapproval. Yes. A yes. lot of disapproval. Well, I've talked about before, you know, a daisy, so many people have a daisy theology. He loves me. He loves mm-hmm. me not. He yeah. loves me. He loves me not. So if I'm doing well, then God loves mm-hmm. me. But if I'm doing poorly, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm out. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what you had. Yeah. All based on what I was. Did I have enough accolades that, you know outweighed my lies to my parents or this or that, you know, whatever the case may be. And at some point along the line, when I went to college, that was where it really the rubber met the road. Um, And being away from home, you know, you do a lot of things the right way because you're living under your parents' roof. But going away to college, your identity comes out, your integrity and your character. Yeah. (laughs) What you really believe comes out. And my parents put me in a very great Christian college. And I'm here to tell you, whether you go to a public school or a Christian college or whatever you do, you can find ways to get involved in trouble. And I I did that. You know, I truly did that of my own choice. So it seems like you you lived fairly duplicitously. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of that at the time? Not until I got into my later years of high school, but there was a real 
struggle inside. I felt like I was living a double life, like trying to make sure I was the good kid to my parents, but then doing what I could to fit in and be a part of the world and and what looked so fun. And then going off to college, I just had a moment where I realized I'm tired of doing this and I have enough distance. I can do me and I'm going to just do what I want to do. And I literally did anything and everything I knew I shouldn't have been involved in because I just wanted to live for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'm assuming, like the party scene and party scenes, drinking, drugs. I mean, I was around so many dangerous situations. And again, I'm in a very small town, mm-hmm. um, but you evil is everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and you can, you know, misery loves company. And there was um, many a time that it's only the grace of God that I was protected because some of these people were in and out of jail. Um, I was constantly in danger and I, I didn't even care or realize that. I was just so bound and determined to find a place to have fun, but I was inwardly not realizing this. I was desperate to find somewhere to belong. Mm -hmm. And and I was making, you know, in high school, you make little compromises there, here and there is what I was doing. But these are much bigger consequences, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm I'm, I'm still having consequences of that today. Um, But I was willing to give everything I had to feel like I fit in with these people. So looking for acceptance. Yes. Now, did you ever in the midst of this have pricks of conscience? Yes. And again, only by the grace of God, I would have moments of where I would just feel so unloved and unseen and and unvalued. And I would go through depression and have suicidal thoughts because my life had no purpose. And I was just like, why am I even here? If this is all life has, because this is what looked so fun to me. And if this is the best life has, why am I here? Um, And it was in those moments that the Lord would just call back to my mind, a verse that mom had me memorize as a homeschooler mm-hmm. or a friend that I really wasn't close to would invite me to church. You know, mm-hmm. I would go for a week or so, but the second I was hit with temptation, I would get right back in the middle of it because everything was in my own strength. Right. I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. Mm-hmm. So during those high school years did you or college years, did you feel like, well, God he must not like me anymore. Yeah, I basically, and it's, I shudder to even think this, I feel like I made the conscious decision that I'm not going to follow God and I'm going to go this way. And so in my mind, I turned my back on God. And so he probably did the same. <laughs> and so in those moments where I would have a recollection of, okay, this I'm, I'm being bad. I need to go to church. That'll make me feel better about mm-hmm. myself. Um, I would be like, okay, well, maybe I can do this, this, and this, and God will God will notice me again. It was all based on what I did. That was my whole view of God. It was based on what my life looked like, whether or not he would see me. Right. He, it's all performance-based acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible way to live. Yeah. <laughs> because we can't perform well enough. We always fail. It's a and lot so, of pressure. Uh, yeah. Rachel, so on, on the road, so if you think about the prodigal son, you, you kind of were the, mm-hmm. the prodigal daughter. Mm-hmm. So you left the father's house, so to speak, and uh, you were seeking out your fun and your thrills and your acceptance and all that. There is pleasure in sin mm-hmm. and so you did find some thrills in yes. the in the drinking in the partying in mm-hmm. the hanging around with the bad boys that kind of thing mm-hmm. but that's short-lived isn't it it's so short-lived 
that it's honestly takes my breath away <laughs> um, because as fun as it was for such a fleeting moment when it was gone there was nothing that had any any hint of joy left behind no no purpose i had no real friends and i knew it <laughs> i knew that if i needed somebody there would be no one there for me i knew that deep down <laughs> but it didn't stop me from trying to to let them feel the gap in me that only the lord could fill mm-hmm. i just didn't know that yet you know mm-hmm. Well, that's a it's a terrible way to live. It's a very lonely experience. Uh, and yeah. and I know Debbie, you've shared with me before because right. yours your testimony is similar very, to Rachel's. Very similar. Yes. <clears throat> um, you know, in the middle of the night when it's just you alone with your thoughts, mm-hmm. that's when the the fears creep in and well, and, and mm-hmm. just the shame oh, and yeah. the guilt and yeah. the condemnation and and all of those things. You know, the enemy is so sly; like he entices you and then entices you and entices you. Mm-hmm. You act on that enticement, and then he turns around and goes, "I can't believe you just did what you yep. did. You're a horrible person." Mm-hmm. You know, and and just that battle, that back yes. and forth battle, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, back and forth. It is just this horrible, nauseating roller coaster ride. It was just it awful, is. and so that's why you always want to be around other people because you want to you don't want to be alone in that silence because that isolation is the enemy's favorite i feel like campground you know because he can tell you anything and who are you to refute him Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so you're in college you're getting a degree in education Mm -hmm. um and schoolwork is going well Again, by the grace of God, mm-hmm. I did not want to disappoint my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I did I did finish well and I did complete my degree. Um, I don't I truly don't know how. <laughs> I truly don't. Um, I think back, I mean, I wasted my years at that at that school, which is it's an incredible school. Um, but by God's grace I did I did get my degree. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well we're talking to Rachel Inman. Rachel is the girls minister at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and has a great story of God's grace and how God changed her life. Uh, She is being used by God to impact uh, students in our student ministry and girls especially in our student ministry. I know that firsthand. We know that, Debbie, because our granddaughter, Emmy, just thinks Rachel hung the moon, and Emmy is in sixth grade and, and many, many other girls, and so we're finding out about how did Rachel Rachel's life turn around when she put her faith and trust in Jesus, when Jesus became real to her. You're listening to Real Truth for today. We have to take a quick break, but we'll, we'll be right back and we'll learn what was the key that turned Rachel's life around. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. I'm joined in the studio by my wife, Debbie, and we're talking to Rachel Inman. Rachel is the girls minister at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and doing a great job ministering to our middle school and high school girls. She has a great testimony to share of what wonderful, awesome things that God has done in her life. So, Rachel, as we ended up the last segment, uh, you were getting 
through with college by God's grace, but you were far away from the Lord and you were living for sin and self and thinking that God was uh, had kind of thrown you out with the trash because you had turned away from him. So let's pick it up from there. What happened that last semester in college that, that God used to bring you to himself? Yeah, so the last semester in college, I was pretty content to just stay where I was, but through just a random restaurant, I met a pretty decent guy. And and again, he was not a believer, but he was a very nice guy, had a great job, seemed to fill all the boxes. And so we started dating, even went to church together um, here and there. Um, And promised me the world. And so for me, I'm thinking, you know, it kind of got me out of this scene that I needed desperately to get out of. And so I think it's cool that God used even an unbeliever to pull me out from the company I was hanging around. Um, And we dated for about six months or so, and we got engaged. It just seemed to make sense. And um, he was going to be able to take care of me for the rest of my life. And, you know, I really wasn't thinking that anything else really mattered you know after college you get married so that was kind of my next thing that I felt like I needed to do was now was he a big partier no he was not he was very much an adult had a has a had a great job um, very established and had a great future ahead of him and so without even trying to he dating him, I I lost contact with everyone that was from that scene that I needed to lose contact with. Okay, so that was that was a positive yes, step. Yes, yes. The but, Lord used him for sure. Right. And so uh you thought you were in love? Yeah, you know, um I hear that so much from even even, you know, teenagers, but it was really I wanted to not be alone. It, it all goes back it all goes back to not wanting to be alone. And he was promising me that I wouldn't even have to work. I could just be a mom, which sounded amazing. And so it was more of what he promised me more than some connection between the two of us, if that makes sense. So he was going to be a maybe a meal ticket for you a mm-hmm. little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that he was not a believer. Let's talk for a minute about why that was okay for you right then that that wasn't like because you knew what a believer was you knew what an unbeliever mm-hmm. was so what what were, were your thought processes that just were like yeah that that's not that important well, but of course you didn't think of yourself as a believer at that time no i didn't but i feel like me and him were kind of in the same camp both of us thought okay we just need to be decent people so let's go to church sometimes. Let's mm-hmm. throw some money in the in the offering plate and let's um, volunteer at something. It was that culture Christianity that that you and I see every day of well, let's just do something and throw throw a bone to the church and and that means we're good people and then we can go live the rest how, of the week however we want to um, because neither one of us had a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. but we were okay with that as long as we still did things to ease our conscience here and there. It was more about looking right in society, I feel like, more than anything else, you know. And so how long did you date before you decided, yeah, let's get married? Only about six months. It was it was relatively quick. It was relatively quick. But as soon as we got engaged, 
I got hit with depression again and I was I was so miserable and it's truly scared me again because I thought this was what I've always wanted. This is the the movie aspect of love and romance and this is what this is the best case scenario. So why am I not more ha- I'm planning my wedding. Why am I unhappy? And so that that whole situation this is where I really finally come to terms with the, the fact that the Lord has not abandoned me. And it was such an, an incredible experience. Um, the day before we were going to go and put down money on my dress and our venue, I couldn't sleep that night because I was just so upset thinking, why am I not more happy and excited? And the Lord vividly spoke in my heart, in my spirit, and told me to go home and, and to leave, leave this situation. And it more than even just the the fact that he was speaking to me like about my relationship, I couldn't believe he was speaking to me after everything I had done to push him out of my life for years. I could not believe that God was still seeing me and wanted to wanted to to talk to me. I couldn't believe it. Now how at that moment would you describe differentiating the fact that you knew that was God's voice as opposed to your own thought that you conjured up yeah. or whatever it may be. Oh, it was so different because I had had so many uh, you know, ungodly thoughts for years plaguing my mind, either of my flesh or the enemy, whichever the case may be. But those were always leading to destruction, leading to death. But when the Lord spoke to my heart, it's like the father I never knew I had. It's it's like he, I've always known him and yet I haven't been close to him. It was a familiar voice. It was, it was loving. And I could tell that the moment I the moment my heart heard from the Lord, I knew that this is why I've been so miserable because all the answers I've been searching for, I've been looking in the wrong place. It all it all came together to me in that moment. And I didn't waste any time. I went and broke up with him the next day. And within a few weeks, I was moved back to Memphis. And I started going to church because I, I couldn't believe that I still had a shot with Jesus, if that makes sense, yeah. you know? Um, now, now, Rachel, were you living with that guy? or? Yes, I was. Now, I still had a place with my best friend, but, you know, I was, I was definitely living in sin. Um, not at all worried about it or thought it was wrong and did your parents know this was where no, you were living okay so no. you're still it's very yes. duplicitous at very this point much still. so very much so that had to be extremely difficult to tell him i'm out yes it was because he was. didn't that came out of left field for him right he had no idea um he he thought i must have cheated on him or something because this just came out of nowhere and i was like no i just I don't love I do not love you and I yeah. I know that this this has all just been a mistake unfortunately you know and so it, that was a very hard conversation and I felt so bad for him because 
he had no idea, like you said, that it was coming. Mm-hmm. Well, that took a lot of, obviously you had to hear from God to be able to do that. Yes. Because that took courage. And you know, Debbie, so many people, they ended up, they know I'm not supposed to marry this person. Right. But they feel like they're too far they're into trapped. it. They feel trapped. I still remember Burt Reynolds hearing a testimony, not a testimony, but a, an interview with Burt Reynolds. And he said that when he married Lonnie Anderson, you know, way back when, mm-hmm. some of our listeners will remember that. But he said, as I was walking down the aisle, he said, my mother was shaking her head. No, no don't do this. <laughs> and he said, I was too far into it at that moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, their relationship was a disaster. And I don't know how much of that was her fault, his fault, who knows. But but I still have never forgotten that. And so when you get deep into it yeah. and, hey, we're 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 buying a dress and we're mm-hmm. putting down money on the venue and stuff, I can't turn back. Yeah. But you did which is evidence to me that the Lord had spoken to your heart and you knew I have to do this. But now you're still not a believer at this time. No, I'm not. But I know now that I want to be like, I know after hearing from the Lord, I was willing to do whatever to, to feel that again. It was more like I was, I couldn't believe that how much possibility there was there of, finally feeling like I belonged to a family, you know, the family of God. And so I, my mom came down and actually really helped me get my life back to Memphis and, and pack things up. Um, she was very supportive of everything. Um, when did, did you let her know what the real story was? I don't think I told her everything. I just told her that I knew I was not supposed to marry him. And so actually, you know, once I came back to Memphis, I did tell her that I don't think I'm actually a believer because I did walk an aisle when I was five. And so to that, to the, you know, to the world, you probably thought that I was because I, especially I was a pretty good kid, but I never had that heart change. And I struggled even as a, as an adult, was I saved? Did I just have to recommit my life? And I hear a lot of believers struggle with that. And I just came to terms when I came back to Memphis and started going to church. I just met with my pastor and said, look, I don't know. I don't know. But I know what I've been doing cannot be, you know, what a Christian is like. I know that much. And so whether I I meant it genuinely as a five-year-old or whether I wasn't, and I truly do not believe I was. I truly don't. Um, But I said today, I I don't want to leave this place not knowing that I'm going to be with Jesus forever. Let's circle back just for a minute and talk about the perfection of God's timing. <laughs> okay? Because as you look back on this whole scenario with 2020 glasses, if God would have spoken to your heart 2 or 3 months earlier, do you think it would have had the same result or were you had circumstances gotten you exactly where you needed to be to be able to truly for the first time hear God's yeah. voice so clearly. Let's talk about that for a minute. Absolutely, man. God, God's timing is always perfect. And it's so crazy because you don't see that in the moment. Like even just as an adult looking back, I am now able to see God's hand and protection in ways I never had seen before. Um, like I met my my husband as a 16 year old and had no idea that that mm-hmm. would, ha- you know, God just has such incredible timing. Um, had 
had he spoken to me earlier, I don't think I would have listened because we were still in a new relationship. It was exciting and very fun. He was, you know, promising me the world, um, taking me to all these expensive places and, and, you know, just so fun. And so to me, that's why I was eager to marry him because life looked like it was going to, again, I'm chasing fun. I'm chasing a feeling and feelings are not permanent. And so that's what I keep getting into messes over. And it's just so easy to do that. And so I think the Lord waited until I was again at a bottom place uh, you know, I've emptied, I'm at my the bottom mm-hmm. of myself because I'm again right. trying to live for myself. And then the Lord just gently, mm-hmm. just gently spoke to me. Well, I, Rachel, I always think about the prodigal son. You know, it, mm-hmm. it says when he was longing to eat the pig slop, then he came to his senses. Yeah. So that's. That's kind of your situation. Absolutely. And it's like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. And and there is a God who who cares about Mm me. You know, when you were talking about how amazing that God would speak to me, uh, it reminds me of Hagar when she said in Genesis 16, you are a God who sees me. Mm -hmm. And she she has that name for God, El Roi. And uh, that is such a wonderful name because God God doesn't throw us out with the trash Mm -hmm. and God doesn't say I'm done with you he is the God who sees us and he's the God he's the father of the prodigal son and if we'll leave the pigsty now you have to leave the pigsty yeah yeah but if we'll leave the pigsty we can find his arms Mm -hmm. open wide so tell us uh how how did that happen so you prayed there with your pastor in his office I did I prayed with him in the office and I remember I just was spilling my sins to him because, again, in my head, it's all about lists. It's all about, okay, well, here's what I've done. And he told me, you know, to write all of that down just because that's how my mind worked. And I remember with my hands symbolically just raising that up to the Lord, like everything that I have, all these, all this dirt and filth and shame that I have been carrying around Um, because I even would still, like you said, when I would be around my parents, I would still want to be that good, good girl to them. And I wouldn't want them to know all of the bad things I was doing because I knew it would disappoint them so much. But thinking about the father and, and, and my savior, I, I remember my pastor just saying, look, every single thing that you've done, that's what he died for. He knew you were going to do this, and he knew that everything you went through was going to be what led you to his arms and to this, the fact that you could realize, hey, I, I just tried to live my life for myself, and it's not all it's cracked up to be. And so I literally fell on my face in that office and just, and just cried out to the Lord to save my soul because mm-hmm. I deserved hell, mm-hmm. and I needed a Savior. Mm, that's powerful. So when you got through with that prayer, and you that's a, just a prayer of surrender. Yeah. Lord, here's all the junk, yeah. and I'm trusting you mm-hmm. to be my Savior and to forgive me. Um, how did you feel after you prayed that prayer? Oh, it was like a weight. I mean, th- there's there's so much power in that symbol and that symbolicness of just the chains around your neck with with just, you know, massive rocks and you can't even barely move. I felt that. I felt released. I finally for the first time that after that um, week at church was one of the first times I had an honest conversation with my mom about where I had been and how I had gotten saved and that I truly believe 
that I was not before because again, I didn't want to disappoint, but I was no longer under that fear because I I just knew the Lord had changed my life and I wanted everyone to know. Mm -hmm. There was something different about me. And and I remember my mom even saying that, I can see that there's something different about you. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's what the Lord does. He changes a person's life from the inside out and whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We're talking to Rachel Inman about the tremendous uh, change that came about in her life when she truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Real Truth for today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm joined by my wife, Debbie, and we're talking to Rachel Inman. Rachel is the girls' minister at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. She has a great story of God's grace, God's amazing grace that changed her life. And so as we left the last segment, uh, Rachel had come to Christ. She had left the pigsty, and she found the Father's arms open wide, and she experienced the joy of forgiveness. And Debbie, you brought up a good point about about the pigsty. Well, the pigsty or the pit, synonymous terms really in this situation. But Rachel, tell us about how how deep your pit had to get for you to be willing to surrender. Because I think if there may be people listening today that maybe you have a, a loved one, a child that's in the pigsty, that's in the pit. And, and as the one looking on, you're thinking, oh my goodness, how much deeper does this pit have to get for you before you, you turn, around. turn around and um, talk to us a little bit about that and and yeah. just the encouragement that man God is always working in the mm-hmm. pit he's always there working wanting you to simply yeah. grab his hand and let him pull you out yeah I think you know everybody's pit is different unfortunately and for me personally I had to find out my own way that the ways of the world like like proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man and it leads to destruction the in the end it's death i could quote that verse to you but i didn't believe it until i lived it (laughs) and so you know parents always are encouraging you to do do good things or you know stay away from this or that because they know they know where it leads but i was the kid that i had to find out for myself and truly I not only had to do everything the world offered and see that that led to nothing. Well, then I had to do um, finding love and finding a, a person, a man to complete this hole in my heart. Well, that didn't work. You know, I tried the career. You know, I thought being a teacher would solve all of that. Well, that didn't make me whole. I, uh, you know, it's sad to say I had to try it all. Mm-hmm. And, and my pit was very deep. And so, you know, if you are a parent and you have a prodigal child out there, um, don't stop praying. Um, Don't stop praying because I know for a fact a lot of my protection was the prayers of my mom. You know, I don't even think she knew. I, 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 like I said, I didn't ever share the details. I tried very hard to still look because I wanted to please them. Um, But she was praying for me, and and I know that the Lord used that in so many ways that I wasn't asking him to protect me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just again, the kindness of the Lord, but 
but I had to find out on my own. And I can truly, that's why I try to say to, to my girls all the time, I can tell you that money doesn't fill that hole. I've tried it. <laughs> I can tell you that a man doesn't fill that hole, that that being a party or doing whatever's fun in the world, it leaves you less than before. And I can tell you that from personal experience. Right. You know, yeah, and it's it's so it's so good to learn from other people's experiences. You know, I think about uh, Solomon, who said, "He who loves money will not be satisfied with money." Well, Solomon had more money than anybody has ever had. I mean, he mm-hmm. makes Bill Gates look like a street popper, <laughs> and uh, if that guy tells you you're not going to find satisfaction in this, um, wise is the person that says, "Okay, I, I don't have to put my hand on the stove to find out. Oh, it's hot, just." like that guy said it was. Now I got a burned hand. And so, um, Rachel, as you said, you were kind of a hard head and you had Mm -hmm. to learn for yourself that the stove was hot. But now we tell other people, the stove is hot. Yes. (laughs) Don't do what I did. Okay, so you're saved. You leave your pastor's office. You've surrendered your heart completely to the Lord. He has come in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how did things begin to change? So I got really involved at this church. I was there every time the doors were open and my pastor's heart was very much evangelistic so we were in the mall having bible studies and we were going i went on missions trips and i went on one missions trip and i decided god was calling me to be a missionary i mean i was on fire for the lord and actually I met Alex about my my husband now. I met Alex about eight months into being a, a believer, and um, I wasn't interested in him because I knew I was going to be a missionary overseas. Mm-hmm. I just knew it, and so I was just running like a hamster, you know. Just so I had so much ground to cover because I had wasted most of my life. I felt like, right. you know, and so um, it was it was just so different. I wanted every day. Now you're teaching school at that time. I was subbing. I was a substitute teacher, and I became a teacher that following that following year, that first um, that August of 2013. Now how so? How old are you? I'm 23. 23 at that time. Okay. Yes. And Alex is the same age. He's about the same age, and um, we end up pass, crossing paths at a church event. We both ended up again. The Lord, the Lord in His timing. I had I had worked with him as a 16 year old, not giving him the time of day. He was very <laughs> shy, um, very nice, but I just you know hadn't really given him time to get to know him. And then a lady at my little church. I mean, there were maybe 50 members of this church. She was next door neighbors with him you know talk about the lord and she asked me to to meet him and i said oh i already know that guy yeah mm. we're we uh, yeah we're friends on facebook right mm. so um if you're friends on facebook you're real <laughs> yeah, you're, you're yeah. deep friends your best yes. and so i kind of just blew it off because i just knew god wanted me to live in, in peru i'd been one time and i just knew that's what he wanted and um you know as i just started pouring over over you know the bible more and just getting to know the lord more i kind of did calm down a little bit mm. but just i just wanted god to use me I didn't know how. I just wanted him to use me. And we end up, our seats, our assigned seats were next to each other in a January youth youth event and we're leaders at it and he even ended up not being able to be at the actual event he was just at the first planning meeting and when i sat next to him the lord spoke to me again and said this this is him wow, wow. this is him and i immediately knew I'm going to marry that man. 
and and he has like god changed my life first and foremost but alex secondly mm-hmm. has changed my life like <laughs> in more ways than i can even go into mm-hmm. now alex was a strong believer when you met him right he was a believer um he has grown up in church all his life as well, but he didn't really get serious about the Lord until he was later in high school. Um, and so he was in the process of, of growing in his relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Now, did he know instantly? You know, I think he knew shortly after because, you know, we only, we dated five months and we were engaged mm-hmm. um, and we had the church book two months in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew, I knew. And so I was, I was telling him, I was like, why waste time? You know, mm-hmm. we're in our twenties. It's not like we're 17. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I didn't want to waste any time, you know? So then you, you marry Alex and Alex is called into the ministry after you get married or before? He was called before, but he was not living it he was it more of a guitar player paid paid just per call um every time he went up there and it was more of a job to be honest um and so when we got married i did not know ministry was in the cards i did not know that um but as we were as we were you know in our early years of getting married our first year especially I would get up and spend at least an hour with the Lord and he wasn't used to doing that. And so as he saw me do that, then he started joining me. And through that time, the Lord cultivated in his heart a a remembrance because he at that time he was pursuing country music and he was about to go to Nashville and that was that was going to happen. And he's such a talented musician. I have no doubt he would have been successful, but the Lord reminded him, hey, I gave you those gifts to serve me. And so Alex gets all in with ministry. And to be honest, it scared me because I'm just so raw as a believer. I don't know what I'm doing. And and I'm still learning about the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, but you're a good student and you're disciplined. <laughs> so you guys are so much alike because <laughs> you're disciplined like that, too. And, uh, you know, it takes discipline to grow in the Christian life. Uh, definitely. That is really, really important because uh, the Bible says discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Mm-hmm. And if if you don't put forth the discipline, you're not going to grow like God wants you to grow. And so yeah. uh, you're not married to a disciplined person because opposites attract. <laughs> Debbie's much more disciplined than I am. So I've learned from yeah. her. And uh, But that disciplined time with the Lord in the morning, especially, yeah. uh, is is critical. Mm-hmm. And so, so how did God begin to change your heart and your desire as you started to grow you know it's so funny like i helped alex get back the lord used me to help alex get back into ministry but then god used alex to soften me to ministry um before we got married i I did not sing i did not you know i taught in classrooms only i wasn't comfortable speaking in front of people for the most part and um alex just would continually just remind just give me opportunities he taught me how to sing i had no idea that that was even in the cards for me um and you're singing on good friday i am i am a song that alex wrote yeah how cool is that yeah um it's actually coming out today i think on the radio on on our on our website so. all right to tell the listeners where yeah, they can they can go to alex and rachel inman.com and it's on spotify if you go to alex and rachel inman or i n 
I-N-M-A-N. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so Alex just, he was very kind and gentle and just patient, just patient with me. Um, I would not be where I am. God knew I would need someone who could push me, but do it in a patient and gentle way. Um, Like people, you know, see us up on stage together they don't know the process i mean it was challenging to get there and our time at our previous church the lord really cultivated in my heart that we are one flesh and he called my husband to ministry which means he called me to ministry and so i had to learn that the hard way again the hard way i'm a believer but the (laughs) debbie you kind of learned that too. oh gosh (laughs) yes i mean those were my exact words that came out of my mouth yeah because i was not i was running as far from anyone who was in ministry as I could possibly get. And then, you know, 10 years into marriage, boom, <laughs> here we are. But um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a hard learner too. Yeah. It, it, I'm just very thick headed. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's so cool to see because at, at our previous church, like we learned and it was kind of my baby steps in ministry. And then God calling us here. It, I, I can't even put into words the the joy it has been getting to serve here on staff together. We've never had that before. And the opportunities the Lord has given me here to be used by him, I still I get teary just thinking because I know I don't I don't deserve any of this. And, and it is only the good that the Lord has given me. Um, to, that he's so kind to shape giftings and shape, you know, singing or talents or whatever, whatever your thing may be. God can take anything, even even a story like mine, and and he can cultivate, you know, something in me to be used by him. You know, I, I still cannot believe that I get to be on staff at a church and serve the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. I cannot believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing such a great job with our with our young girls and, uh, you know, junior high and high school girls. And that's your your main focus. Um, Rachel, when you when you minister to them, uh, do you see yourself in those girls? A lot. Yes. Especially in high school. It's just so hard to to fight that social pressure of fitting in and and having a boy define you or or an op you know an opposite opposite sex um it's just so the same the enemy has the same tricks there's just a lot more of them Mm -hmm. i feel like nowadays and so i try to be very raw with my especially my upper high schoolers because i wish i had had someone to go to and i want to be that person for them um so that they can know hey here here what happened here's what happened in my life. I do not want you to have to learn the way I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want that to be your story. Are the girls, you've been here long enough now, are they starting to trust you? Because it takes a while for a girl to open up. and It does. And yes, I am definitely seeing some fruit of that. There's still so much ground to cover because God has really blessed us here. We have a massive um, a youth group and so many different kids from all different walks of life and they honestly challenge me just as much as I challenge them I feel like um, but I am starting to see relationships bloom and, and some of them 
I, we're we're becoming friends, you know. We're be, I'm, I'm, we're be, we're building that relationship, and even like Emmy, you know, the middle schoolers. I'm so excited that I get to have all of these years with them mm-hmm. because in high school I want to be able to to know um, what they're facing so that I can be praying for them as well and walk that with them. Mm-hmm. What would you say? We have about a minute left. What would you say to to the the mom that's listening that uh, has a daughter and is concerned about that daughter because of all the pressure mm-hmm. to to fit in and those kinds of mm-hmm. things? What would be a a parting word of encouragement? The big thing that I see from parents and just my limited experience in youth ministry is um, moms. It's not your job to be your kid's friend. I know that's hard to hear, but that is where that's where it gets dicey. Um, and so I would just go back to the Word of God, stand on the on on the principles you know are right and wrong. It's not going to win you any popularity, and it's not going to win them popularity. But in the end, it could save them from so many things. And um, so just don't don't stop standing on truth, even if you're the only one. Um, it's not going to be popular. It's going to be a narrow road. Um, but and pray for, pray for your, your kids as well. Amen. That's Rachel Inman. You're listening to Real Truth for today. God bless you as we celebrate the empty tomb. 